This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Well, hello, everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. We want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. I tell you how, about all the practical I've got left in me right now is a deep desire to goof off. We are just finishing up our conference season for this year, and it's been busy, and we've been what? I think I heard you say we had 11 conferences in the past two, three so. months? three, four months. Something it's been like that. crazy. <clears throat> and we just, our most recent one, we were in Pasadena, California, had a great weekend out oh, there in Southern California, but that's a long trip back. And I'm tired. I, well, I think we're entitled. I am ready to lay in the hammock and read novels. So we are looking forward to our our annual uh, relax and and working vacation combination. Relax and write. How about relax that? and write. That works good. Yeah, that's we've got a happy place that we go to every July and or August, and that's where we recuperate from all the busyness of the spring, and then. Uh, get our get our ducks in a row for the upcoming year. Get all our planning together, and we've got oh. some got some book ideas we want to work on. We have some ideas about other things that we might announce if they start to bear fruit. But um, any rate, yeah, we're looking forward to that. But we are back at home base for a few days here, and uh, you know something came up while we were uh, while we were out in Pasadena. We had some conversations, and you know it, it struck me. We have so many conversations that start by somebody saying, I've got, see, I've got this 11-year-old. And we, <laughs> well, it's almost a joke because somebody comes up and says, I don't know what is wrong with my child. And we say, oh, how old is your child? And they say, he's 11 or she's 11. It's almost, you know, I, you can anticipate it because that is a really stressful age, Hal. Yeah. yeah, well, it is. That, that's a major transitional point. It's like they lose their minds. Mm-hmm. They get on that emotional roller coaster, they invite you to join them, yeah. and they act crazy, and they're distracted, and yeah, it's tough. Well, and that's why, that's why we ended up writing our, our most recent book, No Longer Little. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, I think, but but it's a, it's a time when a lot of families experience a lot of stress. But, I, you know, it struck me this past weekend that there's a second introduction that we hear a lot and it's something a little more diffused but it kind of comes down to this i've got a 16 or a 17 year old and we aren't communicating we're not getting along i'm not feeling the respect any longer they're not following our family's rules what can i do to bring them back into line yeah it's usually 17 Uh i hear this all the time and it's hard because there's a real problem there. There, it, it's not. They're not a child anymore. No. In fact, they're soon going to be a grown-up adult. Uh, legally, even if they're not there emotionally yet. And, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's and something. I, I understand why parents feel panicked about that. If mm-hmm. you've got a child who's 17 years old, and who you're not sure knows the Lord, and they're in rebellion, and there's there's panic. I, I I think you would you would be an unnatural parent if you didn't feel some distress over that, and and that knowledge that hey this is 
this child is about ready to launch off into the world, and I don't feel like I'm done yet. I don't feel like I've, I've said everything that needs to be said. I don't think they've learned everything they need to learn. Or the parent feels like a failure, feels like they've just failed at it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's quite common. Although, I'll be honest, I think a lot of times the, the problems that people describe with their 16, 17-year-olds really had their roots sometime earlier. You know, I think a lot of it goes back into that early early teens or preteen time when there was there was a, a rupture in their relationship then and things just kind of went from, from broken to worse along the way. Yeah. I think that, but I mean, it's an important thing though is that, that even if that's happened, that's not a death sentence. That's not, no. you're not, it's not preordained that everything fails from then on out, but rather... You just have to kind of deal with it separately. You got to deal with it differently, I think. Um, well, part I think mm-hmm. part of what's going on is there's a huge cultural problem. Oh, I'll say. You know, kids are not. Many mm-hmm. young people are not as capable at eighteen as their parents were. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that is a failure of training or living down to lowered expectations. Well, there's certainly lowered expectations, like in The Endless mm-hmm. Adolescence. Yeah. Excellent book, by the way. It's by Joseph and Claudia Allen. They're a couple of clinical psychologists at the I University think, of Virginia. Yeah, UVA. Uh, yeah, they're at UVA. And they wrote a book called Escaping the Endless Adolescence. And they make that very, that very uh, trenchant comment that nowadays 25 is the new 15. Because they look back a couple of generations. Look at our grandparents' generation. And by the time somebody got to be 15 or 16, they were expected to be ready to find a job or to start a family and to to put on the grown-up pants, so to speak. My grandfather was working in the cotton mill at 14, doing a man's job, bringing home a man's wages. And our great-grandparents were working in the cotton mills when they were 10 and 11 years old. Yeah. Not in favor of that. No, we don't want to go but, back to that. We don't want to go but to that. But the fact that they were able to... Mm-hmm says that maybe our expectations of teens are just way too low. Well, you know, nowadays, you look at, I, I saw something just, just the other day. I saw a study from uh, Georgetown University, mm-hmm. and they looked at the job market going forward, and they said by 2020, so two years from now, they said by 2020, 65% of the jobs available in the United States are going to require at least some college, technical hey. school or a bachelor's degree or better. I think in many cases that's crazy. It's it's credential creep. Yeah. You know, it's that we're we're using credentialing, we're using college to to um, induce a shortage in the job market. I, I to act as gatekeepers. Right. Really to say, okay, we're gonna ask you to jump through this hoop, not because you need it to do the job, but because that makes it easier easier for us to sort the applications. I yeah. think that's quite true. But, but even so, if that's the, the hoop they have to jump through, you know, what that, what that tells our young people is you're not going to be allowed to play on the grown-up field until you're 20 or 22 or 24 because you just won't have all your schooling done. Well, and I hear parents saying things to and about mm-hmm. their 17, 18-year-olds that show they, they don't think they're ready for adulthood. You know, they're telling them you're not mature enough to get a driver's license. You're not mature enough to to get a job or to do this or to do that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned something earlier today, Hal. What? That at the same time our culture is pushing off 
independence. Right. Saying, oh, no, you've got to have a college degree to do anything. Yes. It's pushing independence later that puberty is actually dropping. Yes. You know, that I, I read, and I was looking, looking that figure up just recently, that since 1920, the, the age of the onset of puberty has dropped like five years. Wow. And when you start, when you start and think, that's going from like 16 down to 11 or 12. Right. You know, you're not talking about somebody that's got 50 years of life. You're talking about somebody who's only lived for 15 years, and now a third of that time has dropped back. And so the world, the culture is telling our kids, you're not ready to be an adult. But they're developing an adult's mind and body. Biologically, yes. they, are, they are growing into adult biology yes. and adult temptations and adult desires much earlier. And, and so there's stress. There's going to be stress. It's, it's pulling on both sides. And I think that they end up grasping for adulthood in unhealthy ways. That was something that the Allens pointed out in that book. You know, they said in their work with young people, they found a lot of that, you know, a lot of, it's almost like subconscious frustration. I can't go out and get a meaningful job. I'm not old enough or mature enough to go out and start a family to get married. But what can I do? Well, I, at least I can, I can smoke. I can drive carelessly. I can do extreme things because grownups do extreme things. Well, at least I can do that. And that's, yeah, that's not healthy either. But, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the essence of this situation is mm-hmm. the there's a broken relationship between the parent and child. That, that's, what, that's what prompts the question. You know, there's a broken yeah. relationship. What can be done about it? Granted, it's a tough time to be a teenager right now. It is. It's a tough time to be a teenager, and expectations are different than they've been in the past. Right. Biology is happening earlier than it has been in the past. Right. And there's also this culture of micromanaging young adults. Helicopter parenting is rampant in our culture. Like, you remember when they invited us to go to um, meet our our fourth son when he went to college? Right. They invited us to come to a meeting with the advisor and the parents? Yeah. And you and I were like... Why? why we're not the student why are we here yeah but then the questions the other parents asked other parents were asking you know basically well how can i intervene in my student's life you know how can yeah. i step in between my student and the professors and <laughs> they, they wanted to know would the would the advisor email them if the, if they needed to, to do something and could they e- email and ask questions the advisor's like no but i was just shocked they even asked that because i felt like our son was a grown-up i felt like he was an adult He's oh, he was able to handle that. He was certainly ready to step into that role. That and if maybe, he needed advice, I knew he'd call us. That may be why they had that meeting at the college, simply so the advisor could look at those parents and say, just stop it. Just yeah. stop it right now. Don't don't even start down that path. But yet, there there is there's a lot of that in the culture. And I think that I think that that's something we've got to take into account with our young adults, is to say they are feeling more like they're grown-ups, the culture is telling them, no, 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 no. We are in the middle with that. And the culture that we create in our home is going to do a lot to either mitigate the stress or turn the temperature way up on it. Bingo. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think part of it is exacerbated because I think really the root of a lot of this relationship struggle is mm-hmm. actually back in the preteens. 
When they first when they hit f- puberty. When, when they, they first... first feel that burgeoning, I'm a grown-up, mm-hmm. and the real, and their their emotions are crazy. They're not. They're irrational. They're not thinking clearly. Yeah. And they're so annoying that the parents tend to freak out and double down. Well, I think that I think that a lot of us, because we were this way, a lot of us don't know what we're looking at. They don't know what we're seeing because the the changes start before the externals appear. You yes. know, before he gets his first whisker, before she develops a figure, there's a lot of stuff that's already been happening for a year to 18 months. And, and at that point, you know, when this stuff starts, we just think, what is wrong with this kid? Why are you acting like a maniac? You know, what What do we need to do to, to, to get this kid back in line? We don't realize they're not the little kid that they were. No, and it's easy to go to anger because mm-hmm. they're frustrating. I mean, we've had a lot of meltdowns around here recently. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think I'm going to lose my mind. I think I'm going to pull my hair out or maybe mm-hmm. theirs. Well, I think you made the observation, and I've, I've seen it borne out, that the child that is the most like you is the one who is going to jerk your chain most effectively. Thank you for that reminder. Uh, that yes. Well, I mean, we take turns with that, don't we? Yes, I mean, we we've do. had to Turn we've us. had to go back and forth and say, okay, here you need to deal with this, dear, because I cannot right now. Yeah, I sent yes. someone to you today. Yes, <laughs> that's okay. Well, go it, tell your daddy you need just, a hug. It's just it's it was my turn this time. That's wow. all. But okay, so so. That's that's when you're dealing with your preteens. That's when you're dealing with your your younger teenagers, who are going through this turmoil, which is it, it's like a it's like a rocky stream yeah. for them for a little bit. So let me say this: so if you've got a preteen, yeah, whether you have older kids or not, mm-hmm. if you've got a preteen and mm-hmm. you're feeling that strained relationship, <laughs> get some help now. Right. Go out to the website and grab our new book, No mm-hmm. Longer Little. Yes. Advanced copies are available. Mm-hmm. Get some ideas and get some help and don't let the relationship get broken because there are consequences later in, in the teen years when it's broken and they're not pretty. Well, here's something that I heard Dr. Jeff Myers from Summit Ministry say this a couple of years ago, and I keep coming back to it. I think it's so critically important. He said in their ministry teaching teaching uh, teenagers and, and young adults teaching them about Christian apologetics and personal evangelism and witnessing and all these other things. He said, we've got to teach them the truth, but they will only hear the truth in the context of a relationship, that relationship that's got to be based on, on trust and respect and love. So true. And see that. And that's the thing. If your 12 year old drives you up the wall and that relationship goes on the rocks, then when they're 13, 14, there's a deficit of trust. Yes. There's a deficit of respect. Yeah. And so when you critically want to be transmitting truth to these young people and counseling them and guiding them into their young adult lives, they're not listening. They're not going to be receptive. And that's the that's a real problem. We need to talk about this some more. And we need to talk about, okay, what if you've got your 17-year-old? What do you do now? Mm-hmm. But we need to take a break and thank our sponsor now. Okay. Well, I'd like to say a word on behalf of SchoolhouseTeachers.com because they have been faithful sponsors to us for a couple of three years now, and it's just been fantastic working with them because it's a fantastic product. 
Well, I, you know, I think it comes down to Gina and Paul Suarez, the founders of the old schoolhouse, mm-hmm. are a homeschool family just like us. And they know what homeschoolers need. They know what homeschoolers need. And schoolhouse teachers mm-hmm. provide self-paced courses on all kinds of topics, hundreds of courses. Mm-hmm. So you sign up one time. Yep. And then you've got all these hundreds of courses that your ch- that any number of your kids can take anytime. Whether it's part of the core curriculum, whether you need it for supplemental instruction. I need some more examples for this chemistry problem. I need somebody to explain this algebra process a little yes. a little differently than I did. Or if it's something for extracurricular type of stuff, you know, yes. for the for the art and for the the um, the uh, for enrichment. Enrichment, thank you. Enrichment's the word I wanted. Exactly. And so anyway, head out to schoolhouseteachers.com, check them out. And when you join, be sure to thank them for supporting our ministry because it's a real blessing to us what all they've done. Now, Hill. Yes. You mentioned Mm -hmm. truth in the context of relationship, and I think that is really the scariest part. When you've got a child who your relationship's broken and they're not listening to the truth, yeah, what can you do at that point? Well, I think one thing that parents want to do yeah. is they want to stop their misbehavior. Well, this is something that I have seen. I see this in a lot of family relationships. You've got two things playing here. You have a relationship that has a structure. I'm the parent. You are my child, okay? Just as you might say, I'm the husband, you are the wife. Or in the bigger world, I'm the boss and you are my employee. We have this structured relationship, but at the same time, I'm a human being, you're a human being. We both have hopes and dreams and fears and aspirations and desires and and, and feelings. And we can get offended or, or we can feel blessed and... I think a lot of times parents get so t- caught up in the, I'm not getting the respect that I wanted. I'm not getting the obedience that I wanted. They overrun that feeling of, wait a minute, I'm a human being and my child is actually a human being. Imagine that. And the broken relationship leads their children to think that this is really all about the parent's pride mm-hmm. and all about what the parents want. And they see the parents as selfish and not really caring about them, not really loving them. They see it as a power struggle. They do. And and that's heartbreaking because I know these parents, we talk to these parents and they love their kids, but they've gotten in this toxic back and forth with them that's yeah. not working. And lots of times they, they want to know, okay, how can I really just screw down the crank here and make <laughs> yes. them do what's right? But uh. when you've got a child... Mm-hmm. who in six months or nine months is going to be a legal adult and can walk away from you, tightening things down is probably not the best option. It's like trying to keep a hold of a slippery bar of soap. If you squeeze it hard enough, it's going to just shoot out faster. But then, you know, and I think most of the families we talk to, they're not to the point that their child is going to stomp out at the on their 18th birthday and slam the door and never look back. But they know very well that they could. And I think it's one of those things like that's on the table and that young person who's feeling the stress and feeling the broken relationship is not going to be uh, is not going to be encouraged to build the bridges and to forgive yeah. offenses or to communicate clearly if that option is still out there kind of in plain sight. And, and, and yet 
it doesn't go away. So you have to think, well, what can we do as the parents to build bridges to restore the and to mend this relationship well, with our kids? You know, I think that I heard this said a long time ago, and I don't know who originally see it, said it because I see yeah. it quoted yeah. to several different people right. online. But I think it was Josh McDowell I read said yeah. it, but mm-hmm. said rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And I think that is so, so true. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have the relationship, tightening down the rules is not likely to help. Okay. Instead, you need to focus on rebuilding the relationship. So let's talk about how do you rebuild well, a relationship with with the kid that you mm-hmm. it's broken. You're, you've got a 17-year-old, you've got a broken relationship. How do you rebuild that? Well, somebody said something to you recently, and I thought this was a very indicative thing. Um, she she said in the course of a conversation you're having that, you know, my son always says I never listen to him. You know, she said that in response to we were talking about in our keynote this week, right? About that research on married couples that showed you know that p- couples that stayed together were far more likely to respond to small bits of attention in a positive way. And the ones who just kind of brush it off were more likely to have problems or even a broken relationship in the end. And we were talking about that as it relates to parents, that Mm -hmm. relationships are built up in tiny little ways and tiny little things. And I'd said to this mom, I said, you know, when your son walks by and he just kind of throws out a comment, Mm -hmm. instead of going, yeah, yeah, or making a smart comment back, instead, engage him. Turn and say, what do you mean by that? And listen to him. Mm-hmm. And after talking about that a few minutes, that's what she said. She said, well, you know, my son is always saying, you never listen to me. Oh, ding. You got that one. Ooh. Well, that, but that, see, that's an opportunity. And that's one of those things that it's so simple, and yet it's a change of habit. But on the yeah. other hand, one of the nice things about it is it's something that you you don't have to change the other person. You can change yes. yourself. yes. You can just say to yourself, okay, if they say anything to me, I'm going to look up and make eye contact and and talk with them. Listen to them. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to interact with them, even if it's just a sentence or two. And that that has a lot of hope in it, too, Hal, because uh-huh. that's something that is a small change. Yeah. It can ha- You can change it now. And if you blow it in the next 15 minutes, you can try again in the, the hour after that. Yeah. And, and it's not something that you're going to... You're going to um, have a, a, a breakthrough tomorrow because, oh, you noticed me. Hurrah. No, but rather, you've got an empty bank account. you, you got to build up that bank account. But at the same token, just like you say, you got to change your own habits. Obviously, this is something you get into a, a, a rut about. But changing your own habit one interaction at a time. You know, what is it? How often do you have a chance during the day? You know, a dozen times a day or more to practice this? We, when we discussed this earlier, how mm-hmm. you... Brought out Psalm one sixteen one and two. Yeah, it says I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications, because He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon Him as long as I live. That that's how the Lord builds love in us. And and that's what that's what I want for my for my young adults. I want them to love me. Right. I want them to to call out to me. You know, I want them yes. to call on me, saying, "Hey, I know you're there for me." And that's what I see in God's pattern, is that 
He's heard my voice. Yes. He's heard my supplications. He's inclined his ear toward me. He responds. And, and I think, you know, the God of the universe pays attention to me out of the billions crawling around on this planet. Surely I can pay attention to my own child. Yeah. You know, another part, though, in talk, we talked to a bunch of families this weekend mm-hmm. with relationship issues because we talked about relationship in our keynote. Right. And one mom was talking about the difficulty of reproving her son. I think he was 19 mm-hmm. and living at home. And she was like, I don't know how to deal with him not like not pulling his own weight in the house. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I said to her yeah. was how, if you had a friend come live with you mm-hmm. who was doing the same thing, how would you handle it? Yeah. And she said, oh, I'd have to be really diplomatic about this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's key, that when we treat our young adult and almost adult kids as adults. And stop thinking of them in, just in the terms of my child. Yes. They'll always be your child. But, but to think of them as a person mm-hmm. and as an adult with their own dignity and with their own yes. um, possibly defensiveness and yeah. maybe get hurt and hurt the relationship mm-hmm. when we deal with them as we would an adult friend i think respecting their adulthood right i think they're far more likely to listen and and if we don't respect their adulthood they're going to feel like they have to defend it yes they have to they like they have to carve out space and and take their stand to draw a line on the sand and say i am a man, I am a woman. You will respect my boundary, but if we if we treat them with respect, we treat them with diplomacy and with sensitivity, and treat them like a young adult um, who's part of our circle, but maybe not that we're going to command them any longer. But simply, simply to say, hey, would you consider this? This is something we'd like to do. It's something we need to do. I really would appreciate your help on this. Yeah. Rather than to say, look, I told you to do this and I expect it to be done. And it's, and it's fine to lay down the way that you want people to behave in your house because it's your house. Well, particularly if you've got small kids in the house. You yes. know, to say, look, if you if you choose, oh, just pick something out of, out of the blue. If you want to smoke, okay, I think it's a bad, it's your choice and you're a grown up and all that. But I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to say, I'm just really going to have to demand don't do it in the house, and don't do it in front of your your siblings. Right. Okay. If you want to do that on your own, okay. I'm you know that's your choice. But I've got to protect these young kids, and I don't want the house to smell like cigarette smoke. Right. Okay. And and that's perfectly reasonable. The same, but the same way I would if a friend was visiting us, I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but we can't do this in our house. Right. And I think that when I think part of respecting their growing adulthood too yeah. is to give them increasing responsibility over their own actions and their own schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And people tell us all the time, you know, my son doesn't want to do schoolwork. Then they need to give him a vision of what his life is going to be like in a couple of years. Yeah. And not by nagging or fussing, but just saying, okay, well, if you don't want to finish high school, let's talk about what that's going to look like. Yeah. You know, how will you support yourself? Yeah, what, do you, what are you going to do with your life? You know, right. it's just... We're not saying choose your career right now, but but just to say, you realize one day you might want to get married, and you can't rush out and get a job the week before you propose to your girlfriend, 
you know, this is something you're going to have to have a foundation laid. You're going to have to have some history to feel like you've got the security that say, hey, I can support a wife and a family now. You know, don't you, isn't that part of your future? Isn't that part of what you'd like to do with your life? You know, you don't want to be living in the basement when you're 50 years old. And so let's sit down and let's work out a budget. Let's see what this is going to look like. Exactly. I think really important to emphasize to them at that age to say, look, I want you to succeed in life and I want you to be happy in life. I don't want you to feel disappointed, to feel like you've lost opportunities or weren't able to stretch out for things that you wanted to do. I want to help you to to do these things, but you know I'm going to have to get some cooperation for me to be able to help you. Right. Otherwise, you're going to have to do it all yourself. Yeah. And and so rebuilding a relationship with an older teen mm-hmm. many times means stopping to realize that this is a person and mm-hmm. that you're going to have to rebuild a relationship with them just like you would any other human being. And that's going to mean actively showing them your yep. love and care. Uh-huh. I know we think, well, I'll provide this roof for you, you know, but yeah. listening to them but. as a person, because when we don't listen to them, mm-hmm. we're basically telling them by our actions, this is all about me. It's not about you. We're saying we don't care what you think. We right. don't care what you, what you hope for. We don't care what you're trying to do with your life. Well, you know, when we're not interested in what they're talking about, we're telling them we're not interested in them as a person. Well, see, that's the, okay, the flip side of that. I remember one of the moms, more than one mom had said, you know, my younger, my younger teenager is all obsessed with Minecraft right now, and it drives me up the wall. And we have to say, well, we're not saying be interested in Minecraft. What we're saying is be interested in your son. Yes. And and show your interest in your son. If he wants to talk about Minecraft, let him talk about Minecraft. If he wants to talk about, you know, cars, let him talk about cars, whatever. Show him that you are interested in him, regardless of what he wants to talk about. Uh, an illustration that might be easier to understand for the younger grades. I was talking to yeah. a mom who had little ones, and she yes. said, I just, I don't like playing with my kids. They're always nagging me to play. And then I get down there, and they're not happy with the way I'm playing. I said, honey, they don't really want you to put together trains yeah they want a queen to bring their their what they've done to 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 praise them for their amazing train Uh layouts yeah you know to talk about yeah to give them missions and quests to go on right in the same way i don't think your child really wants you playing minecraft with them right he just wants somebody to to crow about his achievements with yeah and to commiserate with his problems right you know he just wants you to care Okay. And I think when we genuinely care about them as people, it changes things. Yeah. That, please don't think we're criticizing you. Right. This is so easy to do. We're all so busy. It, it's it's easy to do, and at the same time, it's easy to overlook. Yes. Because so often... I've done it, Hal. Well, I know. So often we, we set down the law when our child, our oldest is six or seven years old, and then... The next child comes along, and the oldest is now eight or nine years old, but, but we're, we're setting down the law for the six- or seven-year-old younger sibling. And we do this, and by the time we get to the fourth sibling, and we're setting down the same law when they're six or seven years old, we forget, hey, that oldest one is now 17 or 18, and we've never looked around and said, oh, we probably need to change the rules for you. We probably need to change the way we think about you. It, and it's really easy for this to creep up on you. And I think that's what... 
I think that's what stuns a lot of folks. I think that they get they sort of back into a situation and don't realize it until suddenly they they look around and say, "Hey, something is not right here." Well, we've got to go. Can I just say a couple of things? Sure, let's do. Listen, you can rebuild a relationship. We've built rebuilt relationships with kids mm-hmm. that we let it slip, didn't realize that we'd gotten up far apart, and yeah. we've been able to rebuild those relationships. You can do it too. And yeah. you know what? Your adult kids can be your best friend. Your yeah. best friends. These, these, this is not the end of the road here. No. You know, pray, ask the Lord to give you wisdom, ask the Lord to help you to see when your child's making a bid for attention, even if it's really subtle. Yeah. And respond positively. Listen to them. Mm-hmm. Listen to what they've got to say. Try to understand them. Yeah. They know where you stand. Yeah. And, you know, it's worth saying, too, when you're dealing with living human beings, nothing is ever fixed. Nothing ever is ever stationary. You don't you don't establish a relationship when they're ten years old and just expect it to stay there, yeah. because they're going to grow and they're going to change. You're going to grow and change. The circumstances around you are going to grow and change. Yeah. So you have to be constantly working, tending and gardening that relationship. Yes. And that's actually that's a good thing because if you stay involved and you don't get complacent about it, you have a much greater chance. Of being able to head off the problems, yes. being able to seek forgiveness when you need it, or to grant forgiveness when you when you ought to, because you keep a short account. And okay, so you got a you got a seventeen year old, and things are maybe a little rocky right now. You still got time, you still got hope. Just recognize if you want them to listen to you, you need to be sure that you listen to them. If you yeah. want them to appreciate what you've got to say, then you need to try to appreciate what they've got to say. Yes. And if you want them to respect you, they need to res- to feel the respect that you can give to them. And it's worth it. It's worth the investment. It is worth it, y'all. So, well, look, we want to encourage you with that. Um, we want to encourage you, too. If you don't subscribe to this podcast, why not do it? Go ahead and sign up and subscribe on iTunes, or you can come on through Android. You can You can get on Google Play and find us there. We would love to have you as a regular listener. And you know what? You come out to our website, RaisingRealMen.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We've got a great newsletter that goes out. And we keep you up to date on all kinds of things, including what's going on with this program and all sorts of other resources and stuff available. And what else do we need to tell our friends? Just we love you guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Okay. Have fun this summer. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.